Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Hey, Tara. Hi, Janine. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. It's, I guess, when as of recording this, it's back to school week here in Alberta. Yeah. Frightening. Which, yeah. I was going to say, which is interesting during a global pandemic. Yeah. I, uh, I don't feel confident about it. Like, I very much hope that I'm wrong, but I do not feel confident right now. It seems... yeah, it's so hard because, I mean, parents need to work and, you know, there's been a lot of parents that have not had access to childcare or school since, what, like March? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're like, yes, the kids need to go back to school, but at the same time, we need to do this in a way that is safe for both students and families so that we aren't you know, completely going to overwhelm the medical system. Yeah. And also for our mental health as well, like childcare is such a huge um, part of, you know, my own mental health and being able to like go to work and not have to worry and stuff like that, but not knowing from one day to the next. And sometimes like we saw in Alberta with the new health order, the day before schools reopen, we get, new, contradictory, confusing information. It just does not give me a lot of faith in in the government or in the process when it just feels like they would rather us as like individual parents like sort it out rather than taking responsibility and and getting a handle on this. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's not a great feeling. As a parent, it is really not a great feeling. Yeah, I can imagine that would be incredibly challenging. I think whether it's going back to school or, you know, the CERB extensions or what have you during this pandemic, I feel like everyone feels like they need some normalcy and need some consistency and need guidance and need people to make decisions that are in high up roles. And it kind of feels like that's not the case right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. I feel like post-secondary re-entry is a little bit better managed, um, though I know some post-secondary institutions are losing their grants and stuff. It seems like most folks have a pretty good handle on it. Um, I think the only thing for me would be the cost of post-secondary education I would be concerned about in the changing job market. Do we want to talk about that today? Yeah, I think uh, the plan was obviously to talk about going back to school and I think how it differs across all the different uh, levels of school, post-secondary being private institutions that can make their own decisions as to whether or not they're going back online or in person or what that looks like. (laughs) 
if I were a mature student, let's assume I've been working, maybe I've been laid off and I'm wondering, should I go back to school? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think the first question I'd have is like, what would you go back to school for? Um, We're seeing, you know, hopefully this isn't shattering anyone's dreams, but oil and gas is not coming back in case Mm -hmm. anyone was wondering. And, you know, the investment in Alberta is, I would like to think that maybe there'll be more tech investment in the future, but I'm also not super hopeful that we're doing a great job of bringing that investment here. So if you're going back to school to switch industries because you want a better paying job, I think it's important to look at, you know, what kind of jobs are out there as well as how long a degree would take as well as whether or not you're willing to relocate, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the cost is, um, a huge part of it as well if you're looking for a higher paying job and that's the only reason you're going back you really have to weigh okay when is this pay increase likely to come um, how much of an increase is it and how much am I paying out of pocket to get started on a two or four year program absolutely and you know student loans are an interesting conversation because a lot of mature students don't qualify for them because mm-hmm. of their income that they've earned in the past few years exactly if you I remember filling out my student loan forms and if you had any assets it's counted um, against your ability to qualify for the government student loans and if you're going to get a student loan from a bank you're going to be paying a lot more in interest and the forgiveness terms are not Uh, Yeah, the student loan from a bank, or is it more just like a student line of credit? It's more, from what I understand, I think it's more student line of credits that are offered too. And some of them have, you know, um, working components um, that you know should be bring. You should be bringing in a certain amount of income. And at this point in time, it's kind of difficult to find a job that you can do while studying. I think. Um, because there's just not hard to find a job period. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. There's not a lot of jobs out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess if it's less than a one year program and your, uh, CERB or EI covers your bills enough that you could also like do tuition, um, you might be able to float it, but yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty huge undertaking if you're all by yourself. There is also a new tax credit coming this year um, federally around, and, and it's probably 15% of the amount you paid up to a certain amount. I can pull it up here in a second, but it's around, you know, kind of going back to school and retooling. Okay, so it's called the Canada Training Credit, and um, it's coming out for the 2020 tax year, so we won't see it until we file next year. But eligible workers can accumulate a credit of $250 per year up to a lifetime maximum of $5,000, and they can use this Canadian tax credit to refund up to half of the cost of the training fees at colleges, universities, and other institutions that provide occupational skills training. Cool. So you'd have to spend, to get the maximum, I guess, 
you have to spend $10,000 in eligible tuition because you only get up to $5,000 or you only get up to $5,000 and you only get 50%. And then you can only use $250 a year. Ooh, $250 a year does not seem like very much. Does that even cover books these days? I don't know. Like, even if you were in a red seal trade, I feel like that would not cover like equipment to become a chef or, um, I'm pretty sure like one knife is more than $250. Right? Well, and like a welding helmet is definitely pricey. So, wow, that's not a lot. But I think that would, like, I I wish there were more funding for this because we see like with Alberta's situation as well, if oil and gas is a mature industry, which we know, if it's not coming back, which we're pretty certain it won't, Um, to the extent that it was anyway. Um, If we wanted to look at alternative energy sources and train people to install solar panels and build wind turbines um, and all of that good stuff, those are skills that not everybody has and somebody needs to know how to design them, build them, and, you know, ship them across the country. So it would be nice to have a, a... really solid retraining program. And I think this is a nice time to, if you can swing it, and I wish everyone could swing it, um, to go back to school. Because I think there's a lot to be said for, at this point in time, you know, journalism degrees. I know that journalism is being underfunded and defunded and people are getting laid off and all that good stuff. Well, not good stuff, but it's happening. but I feel like right now we need more reliable news sources and we need better journalists and we need well-trained journalists. Um, And we also need people who can think critically and maybe put that critical thinking into art forms in terms of like murals and um, music would be great. It's what we talked about um, with uh, Leah Gazan as well, you know, like what would we have done if it were not for art? during the pandemic if totally. this yeah it's it's a very important piece of our lives and i think especially during politically divisive times it's a good way to express public sentiment or different views in in a different way that's not going to be a press conference from different government officials and it's not necessarily going to be an opinion piece Um, You can see that in music and visual art or in theater. So yeah, I'm all here for it, but the mature students sure have a lot stacked up against them. Yeah, you also can't earn more than $150,000 in the preceding year. Well, I guess if you were already earning $150,000, you don't get to then take your BA or MBA. You're not allowed. I don't even think you can find an MBA for 10 grand. (laughs) Oh, you for sure cannot. That's like one semester. Yeah. You? That's one semester. Yeah. It's, yeah. I but feel yeah. like when, when I looked up the trades though as well, like getting into a trade is not that far off from, you know, master's level degrees as well. I'm yeah. Just- I mean, post-secondary and any sort of training isn't cheap. No, it's not cheap. And I like, I mean, they're great skills. You need to pay the people that are 
are training you. But I do wonder how much of this is going to, um, you know, the professors and the, um, and the, the teachers and those who already have red seals and how much is maybe going to unnecessary things. I don't know. I haven't looked into that. So that just could be me, but I usually look for the folks that should get paid more that aren't getting paid enough. Um, even though it seems like we're, you know, the consumer or the student or however you want to put it, the public are paying a lot. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, and this is kind of sort of off topic, but I would like to see, you know, the cost of post-secondary not be a barrier to entry for anyone. I don't think your social status or your financial status should dictate whether you can go to post-secondary or you can send a child to post-secondary. Right? Yeah. Because I'm sure there are some really, really smart people that would make amazing like doctors or lawyers or maybe they'd like come up with the next green technology that allows us to build a hyperloop from calgary to edmonton whatever but they no hyperloop that is the anyway go on (laughs) you know what i mean but you know maybe they would be able to invent something that would put us on the world stage and they just can't because they can't afford ten thousand dollars a semester for or a year for a degree from a a university like the ones we have here in Alberta. Yeah. And I, I was reading a thread on Twitter, which yeah, is not the greatest spot to get information, but I think it's a good way to see, um, you know, get insight to other people's lived experiences. You know, there were folks from the disabled community that were saying, you know, it's, very difficult to find a doctor that is not like a little bit ableist and i've heard similar for um in terms of racism it's difficult to find a doctor who's not a little bit um either subtly or overtly racist and then we have the whole like fat phobia thing which is not a phobia um and you have people that are not getting the medical treatment that they need because of someone's internalized uh, form of discrimination. And I think if there were more folks from different walks of life who, you know, are very intelligent people, but just were not given access to education in early childhood, in uh, primary school, in secondary school, and then again are facing now economic barriers to get into post-secondary, we're much worse off. And we that should, yeah. goes into um, not having appropriate childcare, right? Like imagine mm-hmm. there's a super smart single parent that wants to go back to school, but you know, there's, they can't afford childcare or they don't have the ability to get childcare when they want to take classes. Like, there's so many barriers to attending post-secondary, I think, right now. Like, really, it's set up for you have, you graduate from high school, you're white, you have rich parents, and you graduate with no student loan. That's who the system is set up for. You don't have to work mm-hmm. while you're in post-secondary. So, 
So maybe let's go back from the mature student and talk about the recent grads. So you graduated, unfortunately for you, in April 2020, and now your job no longer exists. There's no um, recent grad program anymore. Nobody's hiring. And your student loans are coming into effect next month. You're supposed to start repaying them. That's the grace period. And so what do you do? Yeah. What was the, let me pull it up here. I had the uh, student loans. Obviously it's going to differ province by province, but back, I guess the Canadian student loans were deferred six months. Is that uh, correct from what you heard? I believe so. Yeah. It was six months like everything else. So is that, that would be the same as the grace period that these students would have had. Yeah. And I believe it was, it was basically the same. They were giving you a second grace period. So interest accrues, but you don't have to make a payment. Okay. So they are basically in the same situation as anyone who had a student loan. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, you don't have a job. Your student loan's coming due. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I guess right now you still have the ability to apply for CERB for mm-hmm. one more month. But then I would, not that they've released a lot of details, but I would guess those students wouldn't qualify for the new EI program. Probably not, unless you had some pretty good work experience. Um, and I think you need 120 insurable hours. So if you yeah. didn't work over the summer at all. Yeah. Yeah. If you couldn't work over the summer, and let's assume not, um, because if you wrote your finals in April, like you were coming into nothing, some places were still on lockdown in May, um, and you June. and June, and you do not, you you just do not have a job. You don't have the ability to pay this back. Um, there is another option. You can go on to the repayment assistance plan for your Canada loans, but the monthly gross income to qualify as one person is about 2000 bucks. Um, and then you don't have to pay anything. Okay. Yeah. So there are a couple of options there. I would say also like if you're in that situation, it's better to, and I say this about like, you know, bill tax bills as well. It's better to get on the phone with the CRA or whoever is, you know, issuing your loan and try and work out some sort of a plan with them because Mm -hmm. you don't obviously want it going to collections or something like that. So I'm, God, I hope they're understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I would think that the government student loans would be better because they already have these things built in, like the repayment assistance plan has been around for a long while. Um, You have the repayment assistance plan if you have a permanent disability, um, all that good stuff. I mean, I still think even for $2,000 a month, like that's a low threshold. That's minimum wage, right? Not even? Like barely. It's what, $24,000 a year? Yeah. So as soon as you get a little bit more than that, which we know discussing like CERB, 2000 bucks a month goes very quickly. Um, so if you were making 2100 bucks a month, I'm not sure like you could make a $500 student loan payment. Um, but at least you have the ability to like discuss it with them. 
I'm not sure if you had a loan with like an institution or a student line of credit that went into repayment. Well, I think the guidance <sighs> from a lot of those financial institutions and correct me if you've seen something different was kind of just like contact your financial institution and like, come up with a plan. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of depends on the institution, right? Because if they're, if they've had a lot of deferrals or a lot of defaults, I mean, it just kind of depends what their books look like too, right? They might, they might be able to negotiate, but they might not. What's challenging here too is, you know, I would encourage people obviously to try and make some money if they can, like if they don't qualify for like CERB and EI and they, they need to just make some money by like trying to find some work online, but then it's like, does that cut into, you know, receiving social benefits or receiving loan deferment, loan deferral repayment plan options. So I guess like it's a super challenging situation to be in, but research all your options so that you know how earning income would actually affect you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you can avoid collections, like avoid collections at all costs, it's not it's not great. They do call frequently. It's, uh, it, it drops your credit score rapidly. Um, and it hangs around for a while until you negotiate with the collections agency on repayment. And do you know how uh, debts are sold to collections agencies? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is how it works in most cases. I'm not sure if this is how it works on like a large institutional level, but if you were like a smaller company and you had somebody who didn't pay their debt and you pulled credit on them and whatever, you contact as a business owner, you contact the collections agency and they will buy the debt for a discount or they put you on like some kind of plan and basically what it is is they figure out how likely it is they're to collect from this person and then um, they pay out the business owner who like had the debt line of credit whatever issued to this person like say like 80% of the contract or 90% of the contract or 50% of the contract or 30% of the contract or whatever. And so basically the business owner gets something. So they have some kind of like lump sum payment coming to them. They write off the rest of the portion um, as uncollectible. And then the collections agency tries to collect whatever it was at a minimum, tries to collect whatever it was they paid out to the business or institution. So it's possible that they paid 30 to 90% of your debt to the bank already. Well, I don't know if it's a bank, but like to the institution already. And then um, they're calling the person who defaulted um, to recoup as much as possible. So I have heard that you can um, negotiate with the collections agency if it does go there, but hopefully it doesn't because it really, uh, it can screw up your credit pretty, pretty good, but you can negotiate because they're going to ask for the full contract value and they want to make a profit as well, but they've maybe only paid somewhere between 30 and 90% of the contracted value. Does that make sense? I think so. That's interesting yeah. and not what I yeah. kind of thought it was. I only know it as business to business. So I'm not sure, to be honest, I don't know if that's exactly how it works to collect on like personal loans, but if you're like 
a vendor and you enter into a contact with um, somebody else and you don't come through or the vendor like provides you with the product and you don't pay them net 30 or whatever, um, that can be what happens. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Or they can do it on like a defer thing. You like contact the collections agency and they're like, nah, we don't think that you're going to be able to collect it all. So we'll call buddy for you. Um, but we're only going to pay out the portion of the debt um, once we get it. So they'll say like, oh, we're only going to give you 30% of whatever we collect business owner, which is sometimes a good deal for them business to business. But I would assume it works the same. We're similar. Yeah, that's challenging for sure. Yeah. Anywho. We don't have to keep that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So where were we? Don't default if you can avoid it. Um, try your best to, to use these repayment assistant plans. Try your best to negotiate before it goes into default. And um, yeah, I mean, do your best to try and, and pay the loans as you have them. If you're a new recent grad and you still qualify for student loans and you want to take a master's or a second degree, Hmm. maybe do that. I mean, it racks up your debt, but if you were going to do it anyway and you're just planning on working a couple of years, I think that's a good option. It'll be easier than a mature student trying to apply again for student loans. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, more education isn't always better, but yeah, I guess if you are planning on going back to school anyways, it's a bleak world out there. Yeah. I mean, if you were just planning on working for a couple of years and then going to get, say, your MBA, like, then just do it, I guess, if you see value in it. Um, Because if you can't get work anyway, if you go and get a second student loan, you don't have to repay the first one because you're still a student. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So there's that. That's a bit of a dance though. I yeah. feel I wouldn't say just like, Oh yeah, go, uh, go take uh, philosophy after your science degree. Just cause probably not unless you're very interested in philosophy and you're regretting your science degree maybe. So if you're in school right now, you're probably fine. If you're in your last year or last couple years of, of university. Yeah. I mean, if you were hoping for a co-op, I don't even know what that looks like right now. I imagine not great. Um, but if you didn't need a co-op and you were doing your last couple years, if you have enough in student loans to like cover all your expenses probably same old, same old. Um, but if you, if you were already, you know, if you had a student loan, but were also like serving on the side and stuff like that, um, you might have to delay. Yeah. Because I think you can't get all of your tuition back if you pay and then realize you, you can't go forward because you can't eat or, pay your rent you you don't get all your tuition back are they have they announced anything do you know for student like i know there was the ce 
was it WB or WS for students over the summer? Um, have they said anything around payment to post-secondary students that can't find work during the year? I don't think so. So um, it was the CESB and um, it's going to end on, um, well, the eligibility period is already done. It ended on August 29th and all applications have to be submitted by September 30th. And um, you get less unless you have kids or a disability. You only get um, uh, $1,250 a month every four weeks. That's like zero dollars. Yeah. $2,000 was zero dollars, but. Yeah. Um, so I know that that was um, like a pain point for, for folks that were saying like, this is not great for students. So there's that, but there's, there's nothing else that I've seen. Huh. Mm-hmm. So I guess mm-hmm. if that's you, maybe this is where this advice applies, like start looking for ways to bring income in online. Like whether that's, mm-hmm. I, I know I did a lot of writing during university, freelancing, um, is there some like data entry you can do places to look mm-hmm. for that as like freelancer and Upwork? Um, I know there's a, and again, it's so hard because I don't know what the situation is now with COVID, but usually there's a lot of scholarship money that goes unclaimed as mm-hmm. in addition to like grants and bursaries. So like applying for as many of those as possible, I think yeah. is a good idea. Yeah always a good idea for sure definitely if you can if you can get grants bursaries and scholarships i mean go for it and if you're not working like now's the time to to look into them um but it's it's certainly not easy it's definitely not a cut and dry situation right um but i mean i'm of the mindset that school is always helpful um especially if it is like well-rounded and helping you think differently about the world that we live in that said there are a lot of uh massively open online courses now so if you want to learn something and don't know if you can afford it you might be able to find it for free or at least less expensive. Have you heard of some of those like MOOCs that are for um, like MBAs and stuff that are online that are a lot cheaper than MBA? Like I know like Seth Godin has like his alternative MBA and like Mm -hmm. I think there's like Power MBA and there's another one where this girl like did basically an an entire MBA. I can't think of the name right now for free just by taking like massively whatever the whatever MOOC stands for that's what she did yeah I mean I think if you're already if you already have a job and your employer is willing to look at um comparables for education then I think that's a really I think that's a really good option sometimes I do think 
where you've studied says something um, and also helps with like networking and stuff too. So I think especially if you're not working or if you want to change industries or you want to jump companies once you get your MBA, then um, might not be such a great idea to, to do the, the MOOC route. It's um, called, I found it. It's called the No Pay MBA. This woman huh. blogged about it all through 2017 or whatever where she basically wanted to take the equivalent of MBA courses using free courses online. So like Coursera and edX and Udemy and all of those. And um, there were a lot of, I guess, like leading universities to your point of like where you studied that offered these courses for free. Now, obviously the downside is you don't get that networking piece of it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get like the certificate or whatever, but I feel like a lot of it if you're not in it for the networking and if you study well that way and can learn online and don't necessarily need the discussion and feedback and all that, like, why not? I think it's a bigger deal when it comes to courses that you need like practical experience for too. Some, some programs, like I feel like you do really need to learn from someone who's already done it. Yeah. I think that could be a great way if you're interested in, trying something like oh maybe I Mm -hmm. want to go back to school for business or I want to go back to school for x y and z like taking one of those free courses not a bad idea definitely and I think um for computer sciences a lot of um employers will look at it um in terms of equivalency as long as you can do the work um I don't really think they um, care as much, at least for like the entry level positions that I've seen. Um, They're like, if you know how to program in this language, like we're cool with it. Um, But I mean, I'm sure you'd have to prove yourself more than somebody who had a degree and kind of had that stamp behind their name. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of places that also look at it as equivalent, so just depends. And I would, I would just suggest like, be careful, especially if it's anything that needs like, um, certification. Yeah, obviously. Because then the MOOCs probably are not going to cut it. But, uh, if it's something that you're just interested in, maybe you want to go back to school for computer science. And so you want to take like a, an open course on it first, give her. I mean, I'm, I think we both kind of have the same opinion that like learning is, lifelong I've taken online courses for free like one I took that was called learning how to learn which was super interesting and then like I think I saw at the beginning of the pandemic there was one around like happiness like so there's everything Mm -hmm. that you can take right and you kind of never know what you're going to get out of the course until you you take it yeah and I think if you are in the situation where you might have to take time off because you can't afford tuition this year or you're rethinking your degree program um, and maybe you're in second year and you could easily switch. Um, I personally, just to stay sharp on certain skills, I do take the open, the the massively open online courses um, frequently just to have a refresh. Totally. That's helpful for people. Keep, keep your mind sharp. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely an option. It's, yeah, not easy decisions.
what would you say to someone? So let's say they um, graduated high school in June. They got no grad. I guess I feel like applications are submitted in the winter, early January. So they probably already knew where they were going in terms of post-secondary. Would you say still go? God, that's so hard because I feel like part of university is like figuring out how to do those classes. And what I mean by that is we all like think we're smart when we graduate high school and then we all get our ass handed to us in our first year of university. And I Mm -hmm. think part of that is being in like a 300 person lecture hall and you have no freaking clue what's going on. I don't, it would be so hard, I think, to do that online. If it was in person, maybe go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would do because I like I started in engineering and like God help me if yeah. that had been online. Yeah, I. You know what? I think if I had um, started in neuroscience where I did and had online. I think I actually might've done better for me. It was definitely like the freedom. I was like, Ooh, people, something shiny. But yeah, I, at the same time, I think having the opportunity to kind of screw around in first year, cause that's basically what I did. It allowed me to see that like, just because I was good at something didn't mean that's what I wanted to do. And I think it's, first year and meeting new people and trying out new courses and seeing what everyone else is invested in. Um, and then just like going to those large lectures and talking to someone and saying like, yeah, I might be able to like do okay in this course, but buddy next to me like is really into it. And I am very much not. Um, and I think it, it teaches you a lot about yourself. Totally. And I think that's kind of what university is, is this like exploratory journey. I didn't know you started in neuroscience. Yes. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say to that. I think I knew it wasn't for me before first semester was over. I so. think I ended up in four faculties over yeah. my time at university. So you you need that time to figure out like I was always good at math and science in high school it did not mean engineering was for me (laughs) like um, yeah yeah and I think that's a lot to say for like access too and like they're talking about um it's called streaming like high school kids earlier and earlier I don't know if you remember it but like having to take to certain classes based on what your marks were the previous year or the previous term and then you would have to like basically do upgrading if you like didn't get the right English mark Um, and then it determines like whether or not you can go to university and all of that kind of garbage streams and yeah like I'm in my 30s and I'm still learning like back off man like I think it would be super cool if more people did bounce around a bit and, you know, took MBAs and well, or ended up in four faculties and maybe also like took a trade. Like, why are we telling 14 year olds and 15 year olds that this is the end of it? And yeah, like first year is such a good time to explore and figure out who you are. My cousin is, I think she started grade 11. So she's 16 
And yeah, I feel like it's all on like, what do you want to be when you go to university? Like, yeah. and like, obviously it's like the same, like three jobs, right? Like law- lawyer, doctor mm-hmm. and whatever. So I think she's like interested in becoming a doctor, but I'm like, I wanted to be a doctor at one point And then like blood and I don't really get along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, and I think too, like for the, not all PhDs, I suppose, I feel like you get a little bit more leeway with masters and PhDs, but you have to have like certain averages. You don't have the opportunity to fail. With law school, you don't have as much opportunity to fail um, in first or second year. And definitely when it comes to medical school, you have zero opportunity to fail. And that I think is detrimental. Like yeah, everybody. Yeah. And everybody struggles with mental health for one. And I feel like that's putting a lot of pressure on people and you're then only um, putting certain people into those roles and then kind of gives you um, not so great perspective on folks that may struggle and might be going through something and, you know, God forbid, have a 3.8 instead of a 4.0 in one semester. Um, well, and it also and- takes out the whole segment of the market that, a market, I guess, of students that have to work while they're going mm-hmm. to school because a lot of people that get 4.0s, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but a lot of individuals just, you know, only go to school, they live at their parents' house and they don't have to work. And that's how they get into, that's how they get that 4.0. That's how they get into med school. And, mm-hmm. you know, how does a single mom with two kids get into med school? She might be just as smart, if not smarter, but she also has to work a serving job. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a testament to to people who do work, um, don't live at home and um, aren't afforded the ability to notice on the second day of classes that they're really not getting it. So then not only do they go to classes, take a five, five class course load each semester, but they also get a tutor in each subject. So they're paying, you know, thousands of dollars in tuition and then paying for tutors and are able to then like volunteer and do all these things that a lot of people are not able to do. And volunteering overseas. Exactly. And I think we should give kids the opportunity to fail. Some of the courses that I um, enjoyed the most and I think learned the most at were the ones where like my first test would come back and it would be not an A. Like I just needed more time to learn the material. That's fine. People should be allowed to fail a class and then retake it because they liked it and not feel like that career path isn't for them. Well, and I mean, I think on that, from a different angle, it's super important to know what you're good at, but I think it's almost more valuable to know what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the things that you struggle most with, I think, are the ones that you end up wanting to do every day. Like I talked to a fella who was um, involved in machine learning and stuff. And I happened to say to him, oh, like, I, I like hearing about it. I like hearing about what you all do, but I have, I have no idea. Like I couldn't even get started. And he, told, he basically failed like his first semester fully, but he just was like, I want 
to do this. I'm very interested in this. So I'm just going to keep trying and trying and failing and trying again. Um, and somehow he was afforded that opportunity. Like not all of us are able to do that, but I think passion and the ability to learn counts for a lot too. Like we shouldn't just be promoting people who have a natural aptitude. Tenacity is a huge skill that I think we overlook in society. And when, if like that guy, let's say he did fail his whole first semester, like doesn't matter if you get a four in the rest of your university degree, you're not getting into med school. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It's, it's completely, yeah, it's, I think it is teaching and um, rewarding the wrong kind of mentality because when you get into the real world and you get into school, like you are going to fuck it up. Yep. Something is going to happen and it might be in jobs. It might be when you're looking at a house, it might be the person you initially decide to spend the rest of your life with or invest a good amount of time in. And like something is going to go sideways and if it's if you're getting into your 20s after you've graduated your first degree or like your 30s and that's the first time that you've experienced like real failure i i don't know that's not great no you need to fail way earlier than that cuz i think when you're in your 30s and that's the first time you fail or even your 20s that's when you start to see like spiraling depression because you have no coping skills around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it says a lot like for empathy as well too, right? Like you moving around to, um, you know, four different faculties and stuff like that, you meet like a lot of people, you gain a lot of experience. So then to have like these people that either become the leaders of our our countries, the leaders of our cities, the leaders of our provinces, um, the people deciding who is a criminal and who is not in case of judges. And then for the medical profession, life or death, if they, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but if they have such a limited life experience that they can't, find like the empathy in someone else's situation. I don't know if that's how we want to organize our society. I think we're seeing that that's maybe not the best way. Yeah, I don't think it's the best way. So what would I tell these kids? All right, so you've signed up for a communications degree. Somebody told you you were good at English and you you were streamed in. It's September. You might be able to get your tuition back. I don't know. I think I'd still do it, but I don't think I'd take the same courses, to be honest. That's interesting. What would you change them to? I would change them to something where if you know you're not going to be out with people and able to like talk about stuff in the same way or do labs um, or gain the, that experience, um, why not like create a more diverse first year or like a more broad first year by especially if you're in communications like take some more history courses like something that's heavy on the reading you know um and then something where you psychology like there's some great psych classes that are pretty like pretty straightforward multiple choice tests and like just basically textbook reading right 
Yeah. And then if you did need to discuss those, like maybe it's something that could be done um, in small groups over Zoom or in like late night chats, if that's still a thing, because I'm super old. Um, But I would not like to take some of the math courses that I took in first year um, without having a lab or a TA or somebody sitting next to me to be like, what the hell does that symbol mean? Oh like, my God, I don't even want to think about my first year engineering math course. I, would, I never want to take that class again, whether it's in person or online. Yeah. Just state that for the record. Right? Like, there are some, and I mean, everyone's different. There might be lots of folks out there that would be like, well, no, I would definitely prefer to take the, the math course online and save my English for later because I do need to discuss. But yeah, I, I mean, think, yeah, maybe some, some self-reflection around mm-hmm. what areas are in your, are your strengths and what areas you might need more help and maybe rejigging your schedule to focus on the things that you are, you know, you mm-hmm. are going to be able to do independently. Yeah. And I think everything's changing so rapidly too. It doesn't matter what you went in for. I mean, maybe computer science, that might be, that might be a pretty safe bet, maybe. But like, I feel like everything else is pretty much off the table anyway. Take some first year courses that like bring you joy. Don't, don't take something that's just going to bog you down. Especially you know? in this time we live in. Mm-hmm. And it's first semester. I mean, it shouldn't count. It does, but it shouldn't. Gone, thought I lost my mind. Creature without a spine. Took back what should be mine. Thrown in the deep end. Trouble, I gained a voice. I'm not your shiny toy. Left me without a choice. Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Pink Tax Podcast is recorded in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Our music is provided by Margot. You can find her work at noisebymargot.com. Sound editing by Peter Dobson. If you'd like to support the Pink Tax Podcast, you can make a donation at liberapay.com slash podcast and submit a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. we can all be just like kind to each other and patient and vulnerable i think we'll hopefully get through this sooner rather than later yeah yeah i hope so i hope we start to see more kindness come out of this i feel like that should be the pink factory babe be kind it's a challenging time for everyone so be be patient and kind with yourself especially Mm -hmm. when it does come to you know if you have to defer a semester or what have you we see yeah. you, hear you, we realize how terrible this would be at any point in the journey of a student 
just keep your head up as much as you can. I don't know. Is that good financial advice? 